Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanevsky, and today I spoke with Joshua Ross, the co-founder of Humanitix. Humanitix is an online event ticketing business that Josh and his childhood friend founded when they realized that there was a great opportunity to disrupt the ticketing business. But their ambition went well beyond that of a typical startup. They decided that they would donate 100% of a company's profits to effective charities, primarily those focused on child education in underdeveloped areas. After winning the Google Impact Challenge, they received a million dollars in prize money, which helped fund the company and allowed to donate even more money to the great charities that Humantix supports. They really have created an innovative business model that is revolutionizing the charitable sector and is a shining example to other businesses as to the kind of impact they can make, and I think you'll enjoy hearing Josh discuss this. Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanevsky, and today I'm speaking with Joshua Ross the co-founder of Humanitix. Josh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And to start, I know that Humanitix is a very interesting nonprofit in that it has two innovative aspects to it. It's an online event ticketing business, but also a nonprofit itself in that it's donating 100% of its profits to other charities, which is really an entirely new business model. So what was your background before Humanitix and what led you to co-found the company? Thanks, Brooke. Yeah, so um, I uh, studied economics, finance, and went and worked in funds management and hedge fund, actually, for seven years. So I was doing glorified gambling or investing, as they'll call it. Um, I didn't love it, but it was a really good education and gave me a really strong network and um, a bit of a safety net to, to then go on and do what I was kind of dreaming of the whole time. And so, yeah, that was my commercial background before starting Humanitics, which I co-founded with um, my best friend, Adam, who's an engineer by background. And as a startup, I'm sure that you faced a lot of challenges getting the business off the ground. So can you tell us about some of them and whether you ever had any moments when you weren't sure whether Humanitics would survive and get to the place where it is now? Yeah, sure. Many moments, as any entrepreneur will tell you, particularly <laughs> the first year or two. So our first big scare was actually um, a half good scare. So we we came up with this crazy idea, which was everyone, you know, we wanted to build a tech charity that could use technology to solve social problems. We wanted to be sustainable. We didn't have to rely on handouts. We wanted to have a really high um, impact per philanthropic dollar. And so we established ticketing as this industry we wanted to disrupt for good. Um, and so we trialed it on what you call a minimal viable product when you're starting a company. It's kind of like the cheapest way to test your idea works. And so you build a very average version of your product um, and it's just really to test it. And you go out there and you test it and you see what people have to say, but you're not trying to make money. You're just trying to test the idea. And so we tested this idea called Humanitics, which was the world's first charity that does ticketing. And it surprised us in that in the first year it sold like 4 million bucks or something like that in tickets. And we were not wow. ready for that. <laughs> so the platform was not built for that level of scale. Um, and so there were just a lot of scary moments where like, you know, someone would be buying a ticket and the site just didn't work or 
Um, someone, you know, a, a shopping center was running a small event collecting milkshake flavors for the with the ticket, and the milkshake flavor information was missing. So we had to call 300 registrants to say, "Oh yeah, so you booked in for this event? Um, sorry, were you after the chocolate or banana milkshake for your child? Great, I'll just make sure he gets the right thing on the day and then give it to the client and be like, it's all good, it's all good.' So that was a bit scary. Um, there were lots of moments there that like our technology platform was a black box. But um, in about 18 months in, we got. And we won the Google Impact Challenge, and they kind of, and Atlassian, which is the Microsoft of Australia, they're our best tech company. Their foundation got behind us with multi-year funding, a lot of technical support. We hired engineers, a CTO, and we built a proper platform, which has now been in the market for about five years. That was the first big scare. The second big one was actually um, in March 2020. I'd flown over to America, great timing, to um, scope out our US launch and set up a U.S. office, and about halfway through the month, I had to fly home because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and I was in quar- a first flight into Australia that had to quarantine for two weeks. And so I'm stuck in quarantine with my co-founder, Adam. Our revenue goes from, you know, it was, we were flying, like doing so well, to zero. And we don't know how long this will last. We don't know if we'll survive. We don't know if we'll be able to keep the lights on. We don't know if we're going to have to let go all our colleagues, most of which who joined us as volunteers. Like we have a family environment pretty much at work. Um, Like everyone's evangelical about the mission and, you know, they're not joining us because the job, they could all go work at the Googles of the world if they wanted to. And so it was just a scary moment where like you've been six years working on something, it's working and now you're getting robbed by this random pandemic that no one saw coming. So, but we survived. Our staff were heroic. We had to cut back pay, but everyone still worked full time. And so, um, yeah, we got through it and we're back to when we're not in lockdowns, peak volumes. So it survived and doing really well. Those would be the two biggest scares. Yeah, understandable, especially for pandemic. I was wondering, so clearly there were challenges as any business has, but what were some of the standout moments that made you realize that this was something that's sustainable and that you could continue? So me and Adam, when we started, we, our background was not in events or ticketing or accessibility or any of that stuff. So we were calling event organizers randomly, cold calling them, saying, hey, we've built this platform. Um, you can sell your tickets to it instead of whatever you're using. Um, the fees will be lower and all our profits will go to these great projects. And when people would pick up the phone, like we just got like resounding yeses. And so that's why we ended up doing so much better than yeah. we planned in that first year. But it was a really easy sell. And so that's kind of when we knew we had something like as soon as we started testing it in the market, because it turns out no one's loyal to these ticketing companies. Our thesis was that people resent ticketing platforms. Mm. They used to getting ripped off uh, poor customer service. And so we were like, that's why we thought it was ripe for disruption. Also, people with disabilities have terrible times dealing with ticketing platforms. They're not web accessible. Um, which is now actually, I think, illegal in America. Um, And so we knew there was a real social need because um, people with disabilities, social inclusion, community participation is right up there as cause areas that need to be solved. And we recognized that was not being solved. So we built the most accessible ticketing platform in the world and solved a lot of those problems. So like people with vision impairments can use screen readers to check out. And uh, as a result of that, all the disability groups use us um, in the markets we're in. In America, they're starting to. It's a great aspect of what you're doing that is really additional to the main purpose, and I think that's really cool in itself. And I know that you mentioned before the Google Impact Challenge, so could you tell us what that challenge is and, you know, the impact of winning it and what it had on your nonprofit? Yeah, cool. So um, so it's a competition Google's foundation puts on. goes around the world looking for the best technology ideas to change the world. And, um, yeah, we were fortunate enough that it came down to Australia, 
And uh, we had this crazy tech idea that changed the world, and we won it. And so it gave us a million dollars in prize money, which was desperately needed because we're a charity and funding this. You know, we become sustainable at about year four in a new country. And so we weren't yet sustainable. So me and Adam had kind of run out of money ourselves to put into this. Um, and so it was like critical. It gave us a really good profile. I mean, I know a lot of media outlets in Australia and New Zealand picked it up, gave us instant credibility as to whether you're an event organizer and you want to know if our platform works. And uh, yeah, so that's what the Google Impact Challenge does. And uh, it was, yeah, couldn't have come at a better time for us. And I know that Humantix has focused its charitable giving on several education nonprofits. So can you tell us about some of them and how you decided to donate to these specific charities? Yes, that's been an evolution for us. Um, like you, we really um, align with the effective altruism principles. Um, there's not that much education research in effective altruism because it is so hard to measure, um, as opposed to poverty um, or you know other cause areas. And so it's been a challenge that's actually really intellectually interesting to try and solve. And so we work with, um, we're actually right now in conversations with The Life You Can Save, which is Peter Singer's Effective yeah. Altruism Movement. I was on a call with them this morning. We're trying to flesh out how we build out better research and what's effective in education. Atlassian, who is our major partner on a technical front and funding front um, through their foundation, their whole foundation's a massive foundation, probably the biggest giver to international education out of Australia. We piggyback off their research and insights because they're really smart and they do a lot of really good research. In Australia, we focus on the Aboriginal population, which, if you know our history, is shocking. Um, a lot of disparities, still a massive gap on pretty much every well-being metric that matters, education, incarceration, life, longevity. Um, so, yeah, so we, we've found some really good Indigenous partners that are Indigenous-run, that are national as well, which is important for us. And we focus on interventions at a young age um, through school. And uh, it was really cool. Before COVID hit, we'd actually, one of our scholars had finished high school. We'd come in for a paid internship where we were teaching about technology and sales. Because you can imagine women are underrepresented in technology, but like Indigenous people are like way less. Yeah. Like this, yeah, it should, should be talked about more um, in terms of different groups that are underrepresented. But so we were getting more integrated with our Indigenous programs in Australia, which was cool. Um, globally, we focus on literacy and life skill programs for young girls in low-income countries. And the reason we do that is because, again, the evidence. Um, so you can kill illiteracy in one generation. Uh, if you're literate, you don't raise your kids to be illiterate. And so luckily, it's hopefully something in 10 years we won't fund. But um, sadly, in some parts of sub-Saharan Africa and um, some parts of Asia, girls aren't encouraged to go to school or there's a whole bunch of raft of reasons why. Um, and so... It's also a really good thing for the environment because educated people have less kids. <laughs> and, you know, if you're sadly, um, you know, in an environment where uh, you don't know if your kids are going to survive, mortality is high, you're uneducated, um, you're more likely to have five to ten kids because you don't know. It's a, you know, that, that, there's strong evidence and correlation. And so, you know, it's a, it's a good thing for sustainability. I think it's definitely really important how, as you've mentioned, the life you can save. I've had six of those charities on my own podcast. So I definitely see the value in it. And I do think you raised an interesting point in, you know, just because education has been somewhat harder to quantify, that doesn't make it any less valuable. If anything, that makes it more so something that we should address. And so I think that's really interesting that you guys are focusing on that. Yeah, in our first few years, we didn't have the scale to really like have any firepower to Put the research into it and um but we're just starting that journey now which is super rewarding because 
know, it's, it's why we do what we do. And speaking, though, of that, you know, more quantifiable aspect, obviously it can be hard at times, but how much of an impact has Humanitics made thus far in terms of donations and just changing people's lives in various forms, whatever that means to you? Yeah, yeah. So because our projects have changed over time, I can't give you one metric. Um, we've given over a million dollars now to our projects in Australia. Um, it's less than New Zealand. We've only been there for two, three years. I think they're about to over 100 grand. It's really been tough. Is the last 18 months with COVID, we haven't been very profitable. <laughs> we've kind of been treading water. So, um, But when we're not in lockdowns, so we're giving over a million dollars a year now. Um, if we get this right in America, in the next five years, that will grow to $20 million a year. So that's super exciting. The other big element of financial social impact would be that charities use our platform at cost price. So any charity running a gala dinner or a fundraising event, probably paying some platform 5 to 10%. They might not care because it might be getting surcharged to their donor base. Um, but we do that at cost price for them and uh, we can rebate the difference back to them. So like all the big charities in Australia and New Zealand largely use us for their events because they'd be mad not to. And that's synagogues, church groups, non-profits of all shapes and sizes, schools. And um, so, yeah, we're getting some really cool charities in America starting to use us and we save them literally dollars that would have gone to an event bride or something. Um, the, the, but then there's plenty of other areas of impact. So I mentioned about our internships, again, taking a hit with covid um, the accessibility is a big one. So um, Nobility, which is a US accessibility, um, web accessibility leader. So like they, if you need your website audited to see if it can be uh, used by someone who has a vision impairment, they're kind of the go-to organization. They're, most of their staff have disabilities. Their event organizer is, I believe, vision impaired, could never independently run events um, and build events. And they've just written this awesome article about us and how he's now or she, so I'm not sure, but um, is running events on our platform independently and uh, they're switching everything over. And so I don't know how to measure that or quantify that. Um, but in Australia, even the government uses us for all their events on disability and everything because we're the only platform that cares. What has the feedback you've received in the philanthropy world been looking like? Yeah, so it depends on the type of philanthropist. I mean, there's so many different types, but like if they're innovative, um, understand technology, care about sustainability, um, then we get on like a house of fire. So like Atlassian's foundation, really smart, understand tech, understand the scalability, wants to fund things that are sustainable, they don't want to fund us forever. Um, so like we've got a very deep relationship with them and we also, their staff volunteer a lot with us. So we're very good for engaging their staff, which is also important to them. Um, a lot of individual philanthropists who have maybe made their money in technology or investing, they get it, and they're very attracted to this social enterprise model. The old school bureaucratic foundations, you know, with the marble corridors and big pillars, <laughs> we're not a cultural fit and they don't really understand us, and that's okay. But um, some of them are now starting to get into the space. But again, um, not, our, not, not our ecosystem, really. Hopefully that will change with time. But, like, we don't fit most mandates and... Yeah, it's because what we're doing is new and pioneering, so it hasn't be, hadn't been thought of in many respects. Yeah, a tech company with no shareholders. And, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. yeah a new concept. But I think it's really interesting, yeah. and clearly you're seeing that it is working, which is really great. And so I was yeah. wondering, where would you like to see Humantics be in the next few years in terms of its growths and donations to nonprofits? Yeah, of course. I mean, our broader vision is not ticketing. It's um, using technology to solve social problems venture philanthropy as a concept and so um you know we're hoping with a couple of million dollars of philanthropic capital we'll create an engine that spits up 
tens and eventually hundreds of millions every year sustainably because that will be an in, insane philanthropic return on capital for those effective altruism principles. You know, we, if uh, America's 15 times bigger than Australia and we're going to be going into Canada and the UK as well. So, you know, if this goes well and it's starting to go really well in America, we should be giving $30, $40 million a year to our projects at an extra cost to anyone and saving charities a bunch of money um, every year. And uh, that's a five-year target for us. And so we're pretty ambitious, but, you know, if we get halfway there, it'll be like an amazing case study, yeah. um, you know. And so, you know, Sam Harris just gave us a big shout-out on his podcast. Um, and so, you know, people helping us by giving us visibility like yourself, that's um, that's how we'll get there quicker. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll launch other cool ideas and use technology. Like, you know, we're using technology to solve accessibility. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of our vision. We want to – we think we need a really strong economic engine within our charity to be able to solve technical problems that um, there isn't a profit incentive to do. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And how can those who want to learn more about Humantics or get involved best do so? Yeah, thanks. If you want to help us, um, the best way to help us is to lobby whoever in your universe is running events and selling tickets. Um, tell them to use Humantics. It's not a compromise. They don't have to pay extra. It's literally, do you want to give your fees to a, you know, some ticketing company or do you want to give them to the world's most needy children? Um, <laughs> a hard decision. Look good for that. So it's good for their brand. <laughs> and if you're a charity, it's a no-brainer because our fees are literally so much cheaper. In Australia, they're like 65% lower than the competitors wow. often. Um, and so, you know, if you want to help us, help us, you know, make a post on LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok because awareness is so important for us. And we're not asking anyone for a donation, but um, we see it in Australia. We get like 50 to 100 event organisers every few days signing up just because they saw our platform somewhere, um, you know. And it's any of them, music festivals or conferences. Um, if you know any really successful philanthropists who are interested in these concepts, we'll need to raise some venture philanthropy when we go into the UK and Canada um, before, because it takes a while for it to get self-funding. Um, and then we'll have other crazy ideas in the next five years. So please get in touch. <laughs> well, very exciting. And before we conclude, is there anything else that you'd like to add about Humantics, charitable giving, or really anything we haven't covered yet? Uh, thanks. I think, um, I guess my main, my main message out there to anyone who's aspiring to be a social entrepreneur is, um, we think in Australia, New Zealand, where we've had success, you know, we have scaled, um, substantially. We're, we're no longer a cute idea. We're, we're the ticketing platform in Australia and New Zealand now. We sell over 100 million bucks in tickets a year. It's a small country. The trick to that was creating a solution that didn't compromise. So you're, you don't have to pay extra to use us. You know, with fair trade coffee or ethical, like a shirt that's not made in a sweatshop, you've got to pay an ethical premium, which means two types of people buy it, very rich people or very ethical people, and both, unfortunately, are minorities. So my conceptual view is if you want to scale a social enterprise, need to find an idea that doesn't charge extra to do the right thing, which is incredibly hard. And that's not to take away from a social enterprise that does charge extra because it's, you know, paying proper labor rates to its workers somewhere. That's awesome, but it may scale slower. And so, yeah, that's my only insight. If your audience is wanting to get into social entrepreneurship, that try and think of something that's um, accessible to people who aren't in the luxury of um, paying extra because, if I got to worry about my kids' education, I'm not going to pay extra for your product. My kids come first, and that's how the world works. So we're trying to play to that and not ask people to give extra. Thank you again so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it, and I think that what you're doing is really cool and innovative, and I'm sure people will want to get involved. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for sharing our story, and um, lovely to chat to you. And, yeah, stay in touch.